Um, if, if you're here today, this basically is a second part to, uh, to, la- to last week. It's, uh, it's the, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, we'll finalize the, the time in Sodom and Gomorrah and its after effects next week um, as we talk about Lot and his daughters, uh, which is a, a real rosy story there. Um, just prepare yourselves. Um, I'm going to pray again, and uh, I'm, I'm confident that the Lord wants to do uh, some, some big things in us today. Uh, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've spent probably more time on this chapter uh, in the last few months than, than I have in, in anything that I've taught up to this point. I mean, I've just l- listened listen to the mp3s of just genesis just back and forth back and forth just listening to it and the chapters before the chapters after and and have studied uh just multiple commentaries commentators and and other and other scholars uh in dealing dealing with this stuff and there's so much here there's so much to be learned um and god's uh god's done a work in my life in this past week just in preparing for this and and i know he wants to do some more in me and I think he wants to do something in you as well. So let's pray before we uh, dive in, okay? Holy Spirit, this time is, is yours. Uh, this is also worship, God, uh, that as I preach, as I teach, it's to be to the audience of one of you first, God, uh, to glorify you, to glorify you and your story, and to please you by proclaiming you, by proclaiming uh, the reality of the human condition, and to proclaim you as being the one who's the only Savior uh, for a broken people. And uh, God, we, we worship you for that, God. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the prayers that have been made uh, and that are continually made up by, by friends and family members for me as I prepare and as I preach. Uh, God, I don't take it lightly. Um, Holy Spirit, that you would go forward um, through this time, and, and if I say something that's off, Father, may it just fall flat in people's hearts and their minds, um, but you speak clearly, Lord, and bring transformation. God, I cannot convince any man, any woman, any student, any boy or girl that's, that's under my teaching to surrender to Jesus. I can't. I can't, I can't make any Christian have transformation in their life. I can't do that, but you can. And this is a part of, of how we go about that, God. So take this time, this preaching, this proclamation of you and your story and about ourselves, and would you transform? Begin with me, if you would. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, um, we're going to jump right into uh, Genesis 19. 12 through 29 is what we're going we're gonna to cover. We covered part of this last week. Um, if you don't have a Bible uh, with you, uh, there are some at the front table that you can slip, slip out and, and grab one. If you don't own one, uh, if you're a Christian and don't own one, if you're not a Christian and you don't own one, uh, take it with you. We'd love, we'd love to invest that in you. Um, so here we go, Genesis 19, starting in verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, uh, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Okay, And, and so if you weren't here last week, um, there was, uh, the story goes that 
every male in Sodom came to the door of Lot and said, and they didn't ask, they demanded, bring out, bring out your visitors because basically we want to gang rape them. Uh, is what is what they were saying. Uh, hor- horrible things. Uh, Lot, in the midst of trying of trying to be a good host and hospitality rules and culture of those days, uh, was very important. And yet, in the middle in the middle of that, we see that he had lost his moral compass completely, and he offered his own daughters uh, to these would be violators outside and say, take my virgin daughters, just don't harm these men. Which again, it just shows that though there were a, 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 a semblance of, of trying to, to, to rescue and help, he absolutely dashed um, the trust in, in his own daughters. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine being a dad? Can you imagine being a brother to that? Can you be, imagine being a son-in-law or a future son-in-law later on finding out that... Uh, your father-in-law offered that to these, to these idiots, to these horrific men and, and boys uh, that were outside. Um, but now they, they blinded these angels. They blinded these men to where they couldn't, they were about to crush the door in. They blinded them, and, and so therefore that it scattered them to where they couldn't do anything else. And, uh, and so then now, now, now the men, the, the angels, they're looking at Lot and they're like, okay, listen, okay, this is serious. You're trying to rescue us? Let me tell you something, bud. We're here to rescue you. We're not here to rescue you just from these people. We're here to rescue you from the wrath of God. Because God has sent us to absolutely bring justice and judgment, condemnation upon all that are in this wicked city. And... Uh, so he said, he said, we're about to destroy this place. And gives the reason. Gives the reason. It's not just because of the wickedness that's going on. But he says very clearly, the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord. And we're going to come back to that in just a little while. About what is that? Is it an outcry within Sodom about the wickedness? Or is it, is it an outcry from those that are around Sodom or visitors that come into Sodom. What is, what is the deal? We're not exactly sure, but we know that the wickedness was so bad that those that didn't even follow God basically cried out and said, if there is a God, would you please save us from this violation? Verse 14, So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters. Now let me just stop there for just a moment. Um, this means that it, it doesn't list that the sons-in-law were there when the angels asked the question. Uh, it, it, it would appear that he would just say, well, yeah, here they are. Uh, we're not exactly sure what it sounds like is the sons-in-law. They wouldn't be living with Lot, and so they must have you know, heard all the commotion, and maybe after it was dispersed, they come, and, and Lot certainly would have told them, explained to them, listen, man, this is what was happening. This is what was going down. We were all about to be killed um, just a few moments ago. Uh, some, some people, some critics would say, well, now, see, this doesn't make any sense. You know, they're, they're virgins, and they're saying he's, they're vir- the girls are virgins, but yet they're sons-in-law. You know, if they're married, how would they be virgins? Well, here's just something. If you, if you hadn't studied about Jewish culture, 
um, the way that they got married was different than the way we do. We, many of us, we get, we get engaged, and then you have a whatever a period of time of preparation to get wedding ceremony ready, uh, whether that's just heading down to, to the judge uh, and, and, and uh, getting her done, or uh, if it's, if it's uh, planning just an enormous wedding, which they say the average is, I think, over $10,000, what people put put in these days, uh, enormous. And, and so, uh, but, but there's no legal right. There's nothing that's taken place until the covenant is made or um, if, even if it's with a probate judge, uh, then what they, what they do is, is they make you sign a document, a marriage certificate, um, and uh, there's no spiritual ramifications to it, but it's legally, you're bound at that point. Back then, though, they were betrothed. And so... Uh, there would be a, a, something already legally binding that said, you are now my sons-in-law. But they had not gone through with the ceremony yet. Uh, and they had not had their first evening sleeping together yet. And so, uh, so it's, this, it's a little bit of a different culture. So they were legally bound. They were his sons-in-law, but they had not finalized, finalized things as far as ceremony yet. So they say, uh, and we have up. Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Okay? So, at this point, you hear Lot being a prophet. Basically saying, God has said this. God is going to do this. So, here's the warning. And it has no effect at all. In fact, if, if, if anything, uh, it has a negative effect. You know, um, the the sons-in-law again. I mean, uh, these the potential gang gang rapers. I mean, they were blinded. They went away. We don't know exactly where the sons-in-law were, but they're just not connecting the dots here. You know, they're like, well, either it, it's either pointing that well, we think he's just got some kind of a a dark humor that he's using here, or maybe they they themselves maybe. They are personally offended by him saying God is going to destroy because they're like, man, this is our city. This is us. We don't know what's going on here, but we know that they're deeply offended by what he has to say, and they don't believe him. And this, we're going to get to in just a moment about what it means to be a husband and a dad, and a, which to be a leader as a man, and that every Christian is a is a minister and every Christian is a missionary, a calling to a people, a calling to a tribe, a calling to a a city to bring the news of Jesus Christ. And if you're just one with all they do, and you make, there's nothing, absolutely nothing different about your life, and then all of a sudden you stand up and say, hey, here's something different. Because you didn't have a moral compass, you don't have moral authority. And you're not believed. There's no credibility. There's, there's, some, there's some here or listening to my voice right now that if you, in, in work or in class or just with your friend or with your family, actually stood up and said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I've committed, totally devoted my life to Him, and I think everybody needs to give their lives to them. They just go, wow, who are you and where did you come from? Because that has not been the moral compass of your life, and therefore you have no 
moral authority with those people. You have no credibility. Now, we're going to come back to that because if, that, if that's you or if you're somewhere in the middle with that, there's hope. There's great hope because I've been that guy. I've been that guy. And God wants us to, to get away from that, both men and women, students, boys, girls, for us to stand and stand strong. God can bring us great credibility. Um, it's interesting because it sounds a lot like the people of Noah's days uh, when he's out there for however many decades He's building this boat, building this boat, building this ship, this battleship is what, what the size of it, this, this huge, huge ark, you know, and the people just coming around and, you know, what laughing, jeering, no telling what they were doing. And, and you could almost hear this in, in the voice of the sons-in-law. They just didn't believe. Um, his, he had influence in the city in, in earlier in this chapter, it talks about him sitting at the gates. And this was something that the men who had influence that they did, that's where a lot of the financial dealings took place, selling of land. It's where, where um, um, covenants were made, where promises were made with one another. It's where legalities took place, were in the city gates. And so even as an alien, as a person who didn't belong in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they knew he was, because we'll get to that in just a few moments, he had some kind of an influence and it's painfully ironic that he was in the city gates and he had some kind of a, a civil credibility and authority, yet he had no moral authority. So we'll see, not only his sons-in-laws didn't follow him, in just a few minutes his wife doesn't finally follow him as well. Verse 15, As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up! Take your wife and your two daughters, who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. This describes that Lot is he's having a hard time leaving. Again, it's, this is dawn of D-Day, you guys. I mean, it's coming down. The bomb is about to hit. And he is still around. It's dawn. We don't know how long, how long it's taken, but it was evening it was after they ate, you know, when, when all the ruckus happened with all the would-be violators came to the door. And, and it's sometime after that, when he's talking with his sons-in-laws, it appears that there's hours that have gone, that have gone by. And the angels way back here were like, get your sons-in-laws, get your family, and get the heck out of Dodge right now. And now it's dawn. You've got Lottie's. He's hanging out and, and ties a little bit back to Abraham. Um, what's interesting, the more, the more I read, the more I, you get deeper into, into your studies in Scripture, particularly like early language stuff. And I'm no scholar. But, I mean, I'm far from being a Hebrew or, or a, a Greek scholar. But the more I read some of these scholars, the more you, just, you see how... Um, how clever many of these writers were that Moses was an amazing writer and the ironies that, that keep they keep coming back and 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 even the the verbiage that's using used here the angels saying you'd be swept away it goes back to Abraham's prayer for Sodom and Gomorrah praying for them that they would not be swept away the very same thing and and so the angels the angels are saying something and Lot doesn't even know it Lot doesn't know Abraham prayed this but later on when the story gets told and everybody's like 
my goodness, they, they were tying it all back in into the prayers. Man, God listens. God listens, and he's, he's in charge. Verse 16, but he lingered. He lingered. After all this, and dawns occurred, and they're like, go, go, go. And he lingered further. He lingered in Sodom. And, and I think that as we go further in the story, and, and as Sodom really does represent the wickedness of the human condition. It's not just about that city, but the wickedness in our own hearts that we linger at Sodom. I mean, ask yourself, man, am I, am I lingering? Where is my gaze? Where is my focus? What am I looking toward? And you'll see in just a few moments how important it is where we linger and where we, where we focus. Um, this is consistent with the first story of Abraham and Lot that he would linger because he was a selfish consumerist. When Abraham offered him, well, you know, hey, this part over here is the rocky crags and the mountains, but over here is the fertile, the fertile valley and the cities and all that. And Lot's like, oh, dude, give me the cities. Yeah, give me this fertile area. I mean, he was just so selfish. Didn't even con- consider. I mean, it was, it, it was culturally inappropriate for him to take what was better than his elder. And yet he did. No doubt, he began thinking about all the things that he had built. Lot was a self-made man, I bet, in his own eyes, like some of us, some of us men, some of us women, we look and it's like, I'm a self-made man, and all the stuff I've got, I did it. This person did, I didn't do it, I wasn't on welfare, and it wasn't because, wasn't because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blue blood or got a silver spoon. I worked hard, and look at all that I've accomplished. Good for me. My house, just think about it. My, all, my, all my work, my house, my, my career, and I've got, I've, got, I've got influence here in this city, and, and wow, if I leave the city, it's, it's all going to be gone, you know. Never mind that there's not going to be any city or gates to sit in. Oh, uh, my, my, my sports car, and, but all, all my money, all my money's in the local bank. I can't go because the bank's not open. I can't get my money out. And, you know, and those things, a house, career, sports car, money in the bank, those things in and of themselves, they're not evil. If they tie you to the city of man instead of the city of God, it brings destruction. And that's part of our problem is, is in every city there is Sodom and there's, you could call it Jerusalem. I mean, you've got the city of man and you have the city of God. You have the city of man where you stand up for yourself and just manage to, you put everybody else behind you because I want what I want and I want it now. And if you get in my way, look out. But the city of God says, I've abandoned everything to follow a greater mission. I've lost everything, and Jesus says, I attain everything as a result of that loss. City of man versus the city of God. Um, Matthew 19, verse 21 through 26, Jesus, Jesus referred, referred to our what we're... What we're uh, consumed by and this is a conversation he's got with a rich guy who's just 
He's just said, look, I follow all the laws. I do all the good things. I, 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 don't, I haven't broken any of them. And Jesus responds and says, okay, let's see, basically, let's see where your heart really is. If you would be perfect, quote unquote, um, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, a young rich man, when he heard this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions, city of man. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and they said, Who then can be saved? And it's good that the story didn't stop there. Because it's like, man, I mean, they're, they're probably thinking, I'm not even rich, but I'm more committed to the city of man than the city of God. I'm more committed to me and my agenda and my future and what I have than about what Jesus is about. But you know what's great? What's beautiful about this? Jesus looked at him and said, with man this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. And that, that gets us all back to the gospel that God saves sinners. We, and, and Jonah, as he said before, I mean, salvation belongs to the Lord. He's the one. He's the one. We're all like that rich man to where we'll continually just be focused on how can I better my own life. And the more and the harder we try, and we may look better in comparison to others, but in comparison to God, we're poor and we're miserable and we're helpless and we're hopeless. And God is so great that He says, I love you and I'm not going to leave you in that helpless, hopeless place of devastation. I'm coming to you. And I'm going to rescue you because it's impossible for you, Dave. It's impossible. But with me, it's all possible. We are to leave all and to flee from self-salvation to true salvation through Jesus. So the angels, the men, seize the men and his wife sees him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. Do you see? Do you see what's going on? I mean, even Lot, man, he's, he's even saying, hey, I think destruction's coming, but he hasn't moved himself yet. Among non-believers, people that aren't Christians, it's, it's very possible, even probable, to consider Jesus, to consider whether the Bible's real or not, to consider whether well, this faith versus this, versus this faith and, and spirituality over here or agnosticism over here and, and how my own worldview and, and philosophy about life and how things works. It's very possible to do that. But when it comes down to it, though, man, it, takes, it takes God coming to us and, and seizing us by the hand and leading us out. God saves sinners. What we're going to see, though, is, is, is this, this is not allegory. This is a real story. But in it, though, it's a picture. It's a, it's Sodom is a picture of, of, of a fallen world that we, like we live in. And, and even them bringing out is, is an example of church and church culture 
Because even in church, there are those, there are those that, that they, they understand some concepts, but they're not fully surrendered. That they're a part of the culture, but they're not a part of the family. And we'll see that with the wife in just a few minutes. Verse 17, as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not step back. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Iron Maiden is playing, run to the hills as they're going. And it says, set your, and, and set your gaze towards salvation and not towards destruction. They're, they're saying, look, okay, salvation, your, your, salvation is this. You've got to run away from self-salvation. You've got to run away from the city of man. You've got to run away from destruction and sin. And you've got you to set your path. You've got to run to Jesus. You can't look back. Do not stop. In verse 18, And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant is found, if you're, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you've shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, the city is, is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. Now, there is, there is disagreement among some scholars, and it's not a big deal, not a big deal, not a, not a big theological conundrum here, but just on, on what's going on in, heart, in Lot's Lot's life, and some would say this is more rebellion, this is more selfishness of just of trying to, to press in and, and just, okay, well, just do it my way and all that. I don't think so. I believe that this is the point in which Lot truly has that aha moment. I believe this is the point in which he says, Oh no. To where to where they're like, You gotta get out, and he finally realizes they're gonna destroy this whole area. And it's coming, and, it's, and he's like, man, we should have been gone at 4 a.m., not at 6 a.m. We should have been gone. And he's like, we're not going to make it. You know, we're out of the city, but I think we're going to be destroyed when God really brings this down. It's like all of a sudden the fear of God hits him, as can only be done by, by the Holy Spirit, because otherwise it's a mental exercise that we make to where we're just considering, well, pros and cons of this religion and that religion. And yeah, I think Jesus was a pretty good guy and his morals pretty much, they line up with what I, what, what I like. I don't like Christians or church all that much, but Jesus, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's just all right with me, you know. Um, but I, it's, it's when the Holy Spirit grips your heart and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, God is real. God's real and I'm not God. I'm not Him. And, it, and he, he really is going to take the people that surrender to Him and to be with Him forever. And those that reject Him, oh, my dear God. Oh, I get it. I get it. They can't have you, God. They can't have anything to do with you. And they will incur all the wrath that comes on those that rebel against you in your way. Oh, no. Oh, no. My prayer is that as we we press forward just like the president's been through the church for 2,000 years. And even before that, you know, for, for thousands of years, people of God, when, when God is preached and when Jesus is preached, that, that, that some have aha moments and some people have oh no moments. And I'm praying, God, give, give me aha moments and give me oh no moments. Give that to us, Lord. 
Give it to the men and the women that are here right now to where we say, oh no, I, I, I think I've been judging how good I am based upon other people. And I'm better than most. But I'm nowhere near as good as God. Oh no. And he's just like, I don't think there's time. He said to him, verse 21, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you've spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing to you arrive there. And therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Um, he, Lot, humbled himself. The, where it says, Behold, I grant you this favor, the, the Hebrew there is actually, they li- he lifted his face up. And this, this means something very physically, but also means something spiritually too. It, it's, it's, the, it's that Lot was bowed down. He's bowed down. He's, and, and, and by the way, it's inappropriate for him to be bound before angels. I mean, most of the scholars that, that talk about this, you know, they talk about, you know, we, we talk about it was Jesus. It was God that was with Abraham talking with him. He had angels with him. And that this is Jesus. This is God Himself. And he's bowing before him, his face is to the ground, you know, and he's asking, he's asking for, for grace from him, favor in your sight. You don't ask for favor in the sight of an angel, but you ask for favor and mercy and grace in the sight of, of God. And, and it says that literally, I mean, you just picture Jesus being right there, and, and Lot is on the ground, finally! The oh no took him to aha, and he surrendered. And Jesus, he looks down and just he lifts up his face and looks at him in the eyes. And says, and he he comforts him and gives him a confidence that says, "I'm saving you. I love you." And, and I mean, there, there's some. There's somebody in here that, man, you need that moment where you just bow before the Lord for the first time, the very first time. You bow and, and you just humble yourself and say, God, you're, you're the creator of the universe and I don't deserve any mercy, I don't deserve any grace. You can do whatever you want. If you, even if you're going to destroy me, that's up to you. You could do that, but I ask for mercy and grace. I, 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 I put my faith no longer in me, but in you. I place my faith in you. I repent. I, I surrender. And Jesus looks down and He lifts up the face. He says, guess what? You're now a son of my dad too. Guess what? You're, my salvation is applied to you. And you're saved. Some of us that are Christians already, that we've just been, we've been walking in our own Sodom. We're walking in the city of man for ourselves. And, and we need to have that. And it's not an oh no moment because we're not going to be destroyed. We're already under grace. But we need to have the aha moment that we humbly bow before Jesus. Just say, I surrender. I surrender. You know what he does? Same thing. He reaches down, lifts up the face, and says, You're under grace. I, I, I took the penalty for you, Dave paid for all that separated you from my dad. And he's your dad. There's no condemnation for you. 
Walk in repentance. Go, be blessed. I mean, it's, it's just such a beautiful picture of what Jesus did and what he, what he was doing. And Zoar, which is in- interesting, uh, it, was, uh, it was called like Biza, or I forget, I forget what, the, what the, this town was called before, but later on, because of this story, it was called Zoar, which just meant, it, it meant little one. Because, and it's just a kind of a play on words. It kind of reminds everybody, you know. It reminds everybody of the prayer. But I was like, it's just, it's just a little one. It's just this little town over here. Because it should have been destroyed. It was a part of a um, pentapolis. You know, five of the towns that were in this region should have been destroyed too. And it's the only it's the one that remained. You know, that's, that was a miracle in and of itself. You know, for it to be among all this. And everything else was destroyed. And yet this one, this one remained. Um, we don't really get into even the, the reality, the his, historicity of, of, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, the ESV Study Bible, some of you guys have that, um, has, a neat, has a pretty neat map in it. That um, I mean, there, peop, Some say it was southeast, the Dead Sea. Some people say it was north or the northern area of the Dead Sea. Because later on where the Ammonites and, and the Moabites were, uh, which we'll see next week, uh, the big enemies of the Jews... Um, which came from Lot and his daughters in the next story. Um, but um, some have even said that it, it may have been that the Dead Sea wasn't as big as it was, but then swallowed up. It was, this whole area was swallowed up, and then you know, it, it released, all these, released all these salts and nasty gases and all this stuff, and that's the reason why the sea ended up being dead as a result of all this, and the Dead Sea got bigger. Um, we're not sure exactly about that, but we know that it was destroyed um, through this. But um, verse twenty-three, the sun the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and He overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And see, we don't know much about Lot's wife. Um, most likely, he found her in Sodom. That she was a Sodomite herself. And uh, so, this was her life. This is where her family was. This is where her home was. This is where she entertained. You know, her, Most likely, it was that her husband was the alien, but what she was not. She was from the area. Um, it takes much to leave all of that. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 37 38, he says this Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That doesn't sound like warm, fuzzy Jesus, does it? But he's laying it on the line. You may have no other gods before him, whether it's a real God or whether it's family or whether it's career or whether it's agenda or vision or money, whatever it is. You cannot have any gods before him. Why? Because having any other God before him brings destruction. Why? Because he's, he's just this... He, he's, a, he's just the most consumeristic of all. He's just like, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want. Please help me out. I need everybody to like me. No. It's because he knows he himself is the best. And we are to say, 
God, there should be nothing before you. Now, if you read the rest of the Bible, you don't rip that out of context and say, well, that, then that gives opportunity to just leave your family or leave people, leave responsibility. No. Having Jesus as front and center in your life makes you more committed to responsibility. Um, you've got Lot's wife, and it says she looks back. And, and just in the, in the English here, it's just, it kinda, you kind of go, man, okay, I'm, I'm not getting this too much. It kind of reminds me of of Uzzah, um, who, you know, maybe God killed him because he had a bad name, but the dude that when the Ark of the Covenant was toppling and he reached up to steady it and God struck him down instantly, instantly killed him. You know, it's kind of like that. And if you'd like to talk about that story, meet me afterwards and uh, we can, we can uh, uh, take that apart a little bit if you want. But, um, but you just have this interesting, this is like, you know, come on, I mean... <laughs> You got to look around. I mean, you slip and you fall, and and uh, you know you, you're oh, whoops, whoops, my eyes went that direction. Poof, you know, that's not what we're talking about here, because if you, if in the in in the original language, we see that it it was more than a glance, and it at least meant stopping. At least it meant that she was stopping, but it was it was more than just the physical that's going on. It's more than just her her eyes. It's her heart. See, God doesn't just judge our actions. He judges our heart. We can fool one another, by the way, the way we live. We can't fool God. He knows where our heart really is. And her heart was not towards salvation. It was towards Sodom. I mean, it's just a, it just reminds us even of, of the story of the Exodus you know, when, when you have this, this million Jews, most likely, who they're going and they just start whining, complaining. They're just like, we want to go back to Egypt. It's like, Man, it's so much better back there in slavery. And God's like, man, these people are stupid. And I know, I know, I mean, I didn't really say that, but I, he's got to think it, you know? I mean, I, I know when he looks at me and my life and you, and I mean, I'm under grace and God's changed my life, and yet at the same time, I just do the stupidest things. Rather than my gaze being upon him, my gaze is upon myself and, and upon the things. And I just work harder and harder and harder to try, to try to make myself feel like I'm doing good. And God's like, man, you think you're playing in a sandbox, it's just a big litter box. Get out. Um, some have said, though, that it's more than just a glance. And this is speculation. But that, that this might have meant that she actually left Lot and went back. And there's some indications in, 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 indications in here, just with the way that the, the words are, being, the words are, are uh, presented here. The sun had risen on the earth when the Lot come to Soar. Then the Lord reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah. It looks like a chronology that it's in the middle of the destruction, but it doesn't have to mean that just because of the time it would have taken for them to go. And so it's, it's possible that it could have been, she might have turned and left and gone before the destruction itself took place, and that as a result of that went back and, and was then destroyed. It really doesn't matter. The point is, either by her heart or by her body and, and heart, she was back in Sodom, and God brought judgment. 
he brought judgment to her. It's like, well, okay, what about the what about the salt thing? What about the you know statue? I mean, she you know, that's kind of that's kind of weird. I mean, because you know, if you watch like the old show back, I get when I was a kid growing up, you know, it just it just all of a sudden just kind of like. Uh, you know, Clash of the Titans, and all of a sudden, you know, see Medusa, and it's like, tink, 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 you know, and you're salt in a statue, and it's not, that's not what we're, that's not what, what happened most likely, I mean, it, could, it could have been, God could have done that, sure, good, you know, Lord, whatever you wanted, whatever you did is fine with me, and, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's fine with me or us at all, God did what he did, and that's great, um, but probably, probably what it means is it's probably referring to what happened in the destruction, I'm going to read to you quickly from John Walton, the guy that did Genesis in the NIV application commentary, and he gives this speculation. One can only speculate about the actual manner of this destruction, but perhaps the combustion of natural tars and sulfur deposits. Now, if you've studied any about Israel, particularly around the Dead Sea, it's, there's, so, there's so many weird chemicals, and especially just even looking at how this thing, this lake ended up dying as a result of all these chemicals natural tars and sulfur deposits, and the release of noxious gases during an earthquake are part of the story. The mineral salts of the region include sodium, potash, magnesium, calcium chlorides, and bromides. Okay? Now, I'm just telling you, if you go to Target and you start buying all of that stuff, the FBI is going to be on your doorstep before the day's over. Because they're going to think that you've got some kind of a bomb that you're building, all right? And he continues, An earthquake in the area may easily have ignited these chemicals, causing them to rain down on the victims of the destruction. I suspect that many in the vicinity of the city who were not burned could be described as pillars of salt after being engulfed by the fallout of the destruction. So I mean, if you think, just the cracking open of the earth. I mean, it's the, 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 word, the word that's used of the destruction of Sodom here is it actually is like turn over, like you would turn over, turn over uh, a, a, um, bread, you know, and uh, some flat bread or turn over an egg, you know, and so it just gives this whole idea. It's like God turned it over, and, and so most likely an earthquake opened up, fumes, and maybe all that stuff just went kaboom and rained down, rained down on people. Um, let me make some comments uh, about, about Lot um, and some of his failures. Listen, men and boys, every husband and dad is to be a leader and is to be a pastor. Okay? You guys who are single, you guys, boys, obviously single, you know? There's a day coming that God desires for you to be a leader within a family and a pastor to your family. And if you analyze Lot in his life, he failed miserably. Um, the failure of him as a dad and, and a father-in-law, we're going to get on that next week. The failure of a husband. You know, again, it appears that Lot finally got it. He finally... He finally rejected himself. He rejected Sodom. He finally turned to Jesus. But there is, it's a tragic story that it was too late for him to lead his wife. She could have responded. She did not. You know, when husbands kind of come back after, after giving up the ability to lead within their, within their family, within their, 
their, their uh, marriage, within their family, or when the, for the very first time when they're like, I, I'm, God wants me to lead and lead well, not as a dictator, but as a loving servant. Many times it takes, well, not many times, I mean, it just takes time to reset a family culture. When you're saying, okay, what does it really mean for me to be the man that God wants me to be in my family? It takes time to reset or to set that culture. And there's got to be patience. Unfortunately, this is one by which Lot's wife, she basically said, I'm not listening to God, and Lot, I'm not listening to you. She refused to follow her husband. And this was the absolute worst time in the world to not listen to the leadership of her husband. He wasn't just failure as a husband. And by the way, guess what? I mean, if when, when failure happens within a marriage, not, and not all the responsibility is on the husband if, if the wife goes awry or the kids or something like that, but God still holds responsibility to that man. Because we're to be a prayerful, strategic leader you know, with our, with our wives, with our, with our children. He was a failure as a missionary. Um, you know, he, uh, he was there. I mean, he was, he was one of, he was what God, I mean, God called him righteous. He was one that could have brought in the, the ways of, of his uncle Abraham's God into this city, and he failed miserably. He had influence. But again, because he had no moral compass, being Jesus, being God, he had no moral authority. And to where when he finally says, Hey, and, it's, it, it, and at least we know he said it to his sons-in-law. When he finally says, listen, we've been wrong. We've got to get out of here because God's about to judge. He had no credibility at all. The sons-in-law and even his wife. Even his wife. You know, I think it's, it's ironic. I think it's a tragic irony that, that she was pillar of salt, that, that that word salt is used, because Jesus said in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. We're to be the salt of the earth. We're to be good news. We're to make people thirsty for Jesus. If we're not that, though, that salt is useless just to be trampled underground. If, if we're not that, we're just a pillar of salt in Sodom. I'm going to end there today. We'll, uh, we'll pick up 27 through the rest of the story and. uh next week. But here's, here's the question that I have for you. Where is, where is your land? You know? where, where are you in journey? Are you, are you committed and your, your gaze and your heart is in Sodom of yourself and your agenda and what you want? And, and truly, I mean, just heap wickedness and evil on top of all that, but start at pride. 
started, it's about me. Is that you? Or is, is your gaze upon Jesus? Some of, some of you, you have never fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. You've given mental assent. You've, you're like, yes, Jesus, I think you're, you're, you're good and did some good things. May even say, yeah, I believe He rose again from the dead. But the Bible says even the demons believe and they shudder in fear. Don't be on the demonic side where you know and even believe that Jesus is God, but you've never surrendered. Be like Lot who bows before Jesus and just says, mercy God, mercy. And you know what he does? You reach down and you lift up your face. And you say, you're, you're mine. 